Is there something you're doing to cover up the pain from your past? Real Life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Lay, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Lay. Later in the show, you'll hear from Cody Bates, who was on our previous show, who masked his pain from his past and present with drugs and an acceptance from gang members. I think a lot of us can do that because we've all been through things in life and some of us will turn to drugs, alcohol, relationships, and there's this you know, underlying problem that some of us just can't reach out to others and share. Maybe it's too difficult to express or even articulate, but sometimes we're vulnerable and we don't know what to say, or if we do, we have to revisit that. And maybe some have never been asked, so it can be very hard. Yeah, I think it's something where people have you know, certain pain in their lives from things that happened in their past, and it can cause pain, it can cause shame, it can cause guilt, and they want to mask it. They don't want to think about that. I think we can all be like that. Mm-hmm. There's even a Bible story where it talks about Adam and Eve, and it talks about where Adam and Eve had sinned, and their shame and guilt and pain was something actually from what they did, right? where they were tempted by Satan, but it was actually something that they did. Right. And the Bible says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Mm-hmm. You always wonder, like, why did they hide? <laughs> uh-huh. Why didn't they just be like, God, you know, we did this thing. And we need to tell you all what's going on. Instead, they're like, oh, let's just keep moving on and let's just act like everything is fine. And that is how today people respond to their pain. Same way. Instead of running to God, they hide and they just keep going. They hide from people. They hide from others, their pain. And then they use substances or other things to mask that pain, but not really dealing with the issue. Mm -hmm. And when we come to God, God will be the one to bring the healing. Like what would have happened if Adam and Eve would have just ran to God? Mm-hmm. It really makes me wonder. And that's what I think we all need to do. If you're listening and you have heartache and pain and shame, guilt, whatever that is, run to God because He wants to heal you. Let's hear from Cody after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Lay, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Lay. Hello, everyone. Joining us once again is Cody Bates, who was a convicted killer, notorious gangster, diagnosed sociopath, and drug addict. And he was sharing with us that at age 12, he started getting into drugs, and he pretty much just was filling the void as much as he could, not having a father around, being mistreated by his mom and by other people, bullied. It was very difficult for him. He ended up in and out of jail and then prison. In 2006, he took the life of someone, murdered this person, and he didn't get arrested for about a year and a half later. But when he did, he got in that prison and became the top dog in that prison and ended up in solitary confinement, still being the boss in the prison. Let's welcome to the show. Cody, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Now, though you were empty, now you don't have drugs, you don't have money, you don't have the girls, you're in prison, you are in solitary confinement, and yet you're still calling the shots there at the prison. Did you feel powerful? Did you feel like you've arrived or were you feeling horrible? Tell me where you were at. 
Well, I definitely was not feeling any kind of remorse other than for myself at that point. (laughs) One thing I remember clearly is sitting in solitary confinement, sitting in this empty cell, again, just being absolutely rejected from society. And I remember thinking, like, is this it? But in a very perverse sense, that's the way I felt. I thought I'd arrived. You know, everybody feared me. Everybody respected me. But I was absolutely dying inside. Mm. Just a massive void that couldn't be filled with anything inside me. Mm. Wow. And, you know, you ended up getting a diagnosis when they were trying to figure out how long to keep you in prison. You were very young. You were in your 20s. And yet they took you somewhere to find out if there's something wrong with your brain. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's interesting. They sent me to a psychiatry center. And this is after I went to court and I beat the murder charge and I got convicted of manslaughter with a firearm. So manslaughter is a dramatic step down. First degree murder, I was looking at 25 years. Manslaughter, looking anywhere from, you know, five years to 14 years in that range. Mm-hmm. When I went to this psychiatry center, I went from solitary confinement, belly shackles, anytime I'm showering or even brought out of my cell to just co-ed out of your cell all day (laughs) you don't even have a bathroom in your cell so you can come and go as you please and like it was just so much freedom compared to what I was used to and the first thing I noticed was just how much lower the security was so I just started smuggling a lot of drugs into there to move it into the jails to make a dollar and that's where my mind always went like I was sitting in a psychiatry center that's supposed to determine how long of a sentence to get me clearly my life is on the line here but not a care in the world Mm. and I ended up getting kicked out and when I got kicked out I remember my lawyer comes and sees me at court as I'm going in for sentencing and he told me the diagnosis and I thought they were crazy. Right. What was the diagnosis? I got diagnosed a sociopath. Mm. And tell us a little bit about sociopath, what they told you it was and were you in denial? Yeah, I was in denial. But when I got to Edmonton Max, which is the penitentiary I served my time at, I started taking psychology courses for university. And the reason why I took it is because I wanted to learn more. Mm-hmm. And a sociopath is someone that lives outside of societal social norms, very low levels of remorse, if any at all, very selfish, very good at manipulating to get where they want, but they always have an end game that's selfish for them. So like when I looked at everything in black and white, I was like, wow, kind of sounds like my behavior, but you know, I can tell you very wholeheartedly, I'm not a sociopath. I honestly hated myself so entirely Mm. that my actions reflected that of somebody that doesn't feel anything. Mm. It's strange that an extreme emotion can reflect no emotion at all, but I can tell you wholeheartedly I'm very capable of love. But at that time, I just hated myself so much. Self-hatred. Everything. Yeah, self-hatred. And a sociopath isn't capable of hating themselves or feeling sorry or any of that. Like, that's they're just not capable of that. Wow. But as far as we know, you know what I mean? Because we don't really know what's going on in the hearts of inside of someone. So that's really neat that you're sharing that, you know? Because they could be struggling with that too and being diagnosed that when really they need to know (laughs) freedom. Yeah. You know what? It made me feel like a monster. Quite honestly, it made me almost embrace the diagnosis, you know, when I got told that, you know, and which was very dangerous, right? Right. You know, if somebody would have just, you know, dug a little deeper with my underlying issues that I had going on, my childhood traumas, 
my deep feeling of rejection my entire life, all that stuff, they would have hit. <laughs> they would have found would have it. Some, it would have been different, yeah. Right. And so here you were now going to prison. You were there for six and a half years. And mm-hmm. when you got out, you'd think, you know, it's always mind boggling people going in and out of jail or prison. And you think, okay, they're going to get their life right finally. But that didn't happen with you, even though you had the diagnosis and all this. Things just got worse and you started to sell cocaine and you were so addicted to it. Tell me a little bit about how you started getting rich off of it and what you did. Yeah. Well, you know what? When I first got out of prison, I actually went straight for a couple of years and I got into the car industry and I was making lots of money. I had a nice car. I was, you know, I just had a son and I kept chasing everything that everyone said would make me happy. Uh And the craziest thing happened is I was about a year and a half, almost two years out of prison and I wanted to die every single day. It was the first conscious thought I had every morning I woke up. And so when I decided to start using cocaine again, it was a decision of suicide. You know, I was turning my back on everything because I just was giving up, essentially. And when I went back into criminality, I went into it with the maximum security mentality. So violent, stiff-arm tactics, also mixed with my charismatic skills in friendliness. And, you know, I got tattoos all over, you know, and I did time in the max a homicide and I just moved up the echelon to the underworld very rapidly to a point where I was definitely one of the biggest drug dealers in the city Mm. and it was never about the money for me though it was always about the escape I only sold cocaine because I never ran out you know you know there are people listening Cody right now that are just like man I thought my life was bad but you know what there's hope for them because you experienced something that's so powerful that set you free and we're going to share it on our next show but for those who are just holding on and they're like, well, what happened? I need to know. <laughs> Be of good cheer because something great happened in his life and it can happen for you. And we're believing that right now. We're going to pray for those who are going through a hard time. Maybe they're depressed, suicidal, or have been diagnosed and think that's who they are. But God has something else to say about them. Thank you for being with us, Cody. And we'll have you on our next show. Thank you so much. You know, the key thing that really just stood out to me is that so many of us can go through issues in our life, and then we get diagnosed something, right? And we're called this name, and we try to learn more about it, but when we learn about it, it's not really hopeful, and that can become who we are. And when we think that, we think in our minds, there's no hope, there's no plan. But let me ask you something. Have you been called something, some type of name, and you're like, that kind of shocked you? Do you receive it? Well, what does Jesus say about you? What does God, your heavenly Father, say about you? Well, according to the Bible, he says there's redemption and that he sent his one and only son to redeem you from whatever name, behavior, attitude. He came to deliver you from sin and its eternal punishment. Mm -hmm. But we have to turn to him. We have to receive that gift Mm -hmm. to have that change happen and so that we can become delivered and transformed Mm -hmm. into something new. Jesus, I'm praying for someone right now who needs that and saying, gosh, I've been diagnosed with something, maybe light, maybe heavy, whatever it is. I need something new, Mm -hmm. my friend is saying in their heart. Jesus, 
We need you to bring the new. And Jesus, you said that, behold, all things shall become new. Mm -hmm. When we receive you, all things become new. That prayer is for someone right now. My friend, just receive him. Just call to Jesus. We receive you. We need the newness and we need you to be the one to redefine who we are. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And the truth will set you free. When you read the word of God and you call it to Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he will bring complete freedom to you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Real Life.